1: Hey, it's Cavino and Rich. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer rated General Grabber ATX but did you know
2: they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few.
1: Everything you need to elevate your drive. Go to TireRack.com sports. That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
3: Always good to be here on a Friday, RJ, and we start here on Straight Out of Vegas with a story in the NFL in which the Kansas City Star is reporting the Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill is under investigation for an alleged battery that took place involving a minor. That minor is reportedly his three-year-old son, and there are reports of a broken arm sustained by the minor in this story. Obviously, Tyreek Hill with a checkered pass, an incident from college that involved domestic battery and his then pregnant girlfriend so rj what does vegas make of the news out of kansas city
4: well i think the best we can do is quantify the value of these players and then the events occur the leagues make their decision and we go from there so fez as you look at hill What kind of value do we put on him?
5: Tyreek Hill is worth a full point, RJ. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but for a non-quarterback, that's about as valuable a player as you will see in the NFL.
4: So how many guys, T.Y. Hilton's on that list for you, right? He's <laughs> he's less than one. What? He's three-quarters of a point. <laughs> how many guys are worth a point or more?
5: Just about five or six only.
4: Who's on that list?
5: So, you know, you Zeke for Dallas and, um, you know, when he was in his prime, um, Brown for Pittsburgh. Now. Jim,
4: Jim Brown in his prime? I mean, no, mean We're AD. talking about today, today. <laughs> she, Who's worth a point today? Uh, a Hopkins
5: of, for uh, Houston
4: would be worth a yeah, point. Yes, so, so we're talking about the... Best, is there anyone that's not a running back or a wide receiver? No. No tight end, even today. Even Kelsey wouldn't be worth the full point. No. All right. So, super valuable for a non quarterback. Jonas, you're the news guy. Is there any take on this that, you know, our motto at Straight Out of Vegas is we have to be better or different? What do you think?
3: The immediate take and the general consensus is they should ban him if it's true. Okay, well, that's if it's true. I think we got to wait on this. I think there, obviously he's got a checkered past. Things have happened before, but until we know every detail involved, it's hard to say that a guy should lose his career based on a report that drops on a Friday.
4: I agree. One of the nice things with my recovering from the illness voice, this is the, I think, let me think about, yes, 47th anniversary of the godfather's release mm, so ah. i think I, I sound a little bit more like the godfather so i'll say but i'm a superstitious man so yes we'll wait for all the news to break but uh I am a superstitious man.
3: Well, speaking of former Kansas City Chiefs, it was announced earlier today that Kareem Hunt, now with the Cleveland Browns, will be suspended the first eight games of the upcoming season. Obviously, this stemming back to a video that was broken by TMZ in which Kareem Hunt was seen kicking at a woman in front of an elevator at a hotel in Cleveland. So, RJ, what does Vegas do with the report that Kareem Hunt is done the first half of next season?
4: Okay, so, Fez, we've got the contrast uh, here. Hill, one of the most valuable non-quarterbacks in the NFL. Where's Kareem Hunt go? Kareem Hunt
5: for Cleveland is actually not worth anything, and here's why, RJ. It's not that he's not a really good running back. But Cleveland has a top 10 running back in Chubb already. They got good depth with Duke Johnson, at least right now. And so, because of that, and because Kareem Hunt is on Cleveland, he does not move the needle at all. And I might note this news was not unexpected. So, we've got a contrast here where the Tyreek Hill news is a complete shock and the Hunt suspension was expected.
4: Okay, so build into the win totals or any other numbers that might be out there. And you bring up Fezzik. Uh, one of the basic assumptions of the value of a player, it's in contrast to the backup. Joe Montana, how much was he worth? Eh, Half a point. When Steve Young was his backup, it's all relative. And with the Browns, lot of depth on that team.
5: Exactly, and the Browns' season win number, they're the only NFL team with the season number out, RJ. Came out in Vegas Browns at 8.5. Currently, the over is minus 160.
4: All right, so that's interesting. We put out nine as a back of the napkin number. I did that on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas, with some consultation with you. How much is a half a... Uh, game worth in the nfl half a game
5: is worth 50 cents so eight and a half over minus 160 is the mathematical equivalent of a team having nine matching the number you tweeted out
4: so you're saying you were exactly right
5: no i'm saying you were exactly well
4: but right. by being smart enough <laughs> to take your advice <laughs> i i guess we'll uh <laughs> i guess we'll accept that
1: and i refuse to be a fool
4: how about some
3: actual NFL news, guys? Believe it or not, we do have stories in the NFL outside of some of the stuff off the field because on the field, there was a quarterback trade announced earlier today. The Miami Dolphins are sending away Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans. The Dolphins will receive a 2020 round pick along with a 2019 seventh-round pick in exchange for Tannehill and a 2019 sixth-round pick. So, RJ, what does Vegas think of the move in Miami? How does it impact
4: Tennessee? This is back to one of our basic assumptions is understanding the salary cap, which is a specialty, right? It's a specialization. It strikes me Tannehill has a contract that's one of those, mm, how do you describe it? It's not a rookie deal. It's not a hit the jackpot deal. It's one of those, we're not sure about you, so we're going to give you the in between. Oftentimes, if a team gives up on a guy like that, they want to get rid of him. I mean, there was the deal just recently, if I remember right. We were making the joke. It's like, well, you take him, but you got to give us a pastrami sandwich back. What was that trade? I refresh my memory on that one. Does guys remember Case Keenum? Yes, yes. So that's a perfect example. Thank you, Jonas. Is with Keenum, they signed a contract with Denver. And they said, whoa, we made a mistake. They gave him up, and they actually received more picks back, which is pretty much saying, hey, Uh, oh, actually, I'm sorry, they gave more picks, saying, hey, this contract is so bad, we got to throw something in. The fact they're getting real picks out of Tannehill tells me that this was perceived by the Titans that Tannehill has real value even with a – you know, contract that's not nothing.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's face it. What's the book on the Titans? Well, Mariota always gets injured, and they don't have a backup, and they fade out of contention. And as far as the Dolphins, I got to tell you though, RJ, I don't think that this is just sour cap. I think this might be a rare case where the Dolphins are already looking to win in 2020 or in the future, and not in 2019.
4: With an eye, so what does that tell you?
5: Well, I can tell you that currently on the roster, their two quarterbacks are Luke Falk and
4: uh, Rudock. He played for what? Iowa and Michigan, Brad? No. Oh, oh, we're talking about you're saying Miami somehow. Is, obviously, they're going to pick a quarterback and 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 try to do something with a rookie, Maybe right? Maybe Fitzmagic comes back. We'll see. <clears throat> yeah, to me, this just feels like if they would have given Tannehill away, we would have said, ah. Oh, maybe a little early because the book in Vegas was when Gase was there and Tannehill was healthy, Tannehill played surprisingly well. Various people had stats backing that up. I think the marketplace here was pretty robust to get – and again, repeated, Jonas, what did they get for Tannehill? They're going
3: to get, uh, let me get this uh, quickly here. Miami's going to receive a 2024th round pick and a,
5: a seventh round pick in this upcoming draft next month.
4: So, really, that's not that different than Antonio Brown.
5: Yeah, and they they gave up a sixth round pick. So, they swapped the sixth and the seventh, basically getting a
4: fourth. Not that different than Antonio Brown, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I mean, what I'm saying is one of the best wide receivers.
3: And I'm curious, Fez, I know you rank these quarterbacks, and where do you guys have – what's the difference between Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill amongst rankings right now?
5: Yeah, so Mariota's just a very capable, slightly below average quarterback in my quarterback rankings. I have him number 19 for the Titans, and I've got Tannehill currently as my number 28 quarterback. So he's not awful.
3: Guys, the force known as Zion Williamson is back for the Duke Blue Devils. He made his return after going down with a mild knee sprain following the explosion of his shoe on national television. Zion came back as Duke number 5 in the country, beat Syracuse 84-72 in the ACC tournament last night. Zion finished with 29 points, 14 boards, went 13 from 13 from the field. So, RJ, what is the Vegas perspective on the reserve? Return of Zion.
4: Wow. It seems like he probably was, you know, healthy enough to come back a game before.
6: (laughs) (laughs) He actually admitted three games before he could have came back. Interesting.
4: So, Brett, you know, I guess you could say story of my life is I had a plus uh, 400 on a 50 50 proposition, but somehow, well.
3: But you need to understand it is not a gamble, it is a calculated risk.
4: Do you have any sense, Brad, that you shouldn't take the money? Any sense that you're on the wrong
6: side of none, it? None, none, no way. Gimme, gimme, gimme. It, you know, RJ, while you were gone, I got to
5: disclose to you that Brad, <sighs> I asked him, I said, now, didn't? weren't you the one that said that Zion was 50 50 to return just a few days before he actually returned. And Brad commented that he was sandbagging with that estimate. And he was always confident that uh, Zion was coming back.
4: So when we offered to double the bet and he refused, that was a weird kind of sandbagging, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And the comedy find of the year making his television debut. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's get past all that. (laughs) What we can say is this. We've got a crossfire. What's a crossfire? First, it's when you hear this music. (laughs) You know there's a battle of Bruin. In this case, the question is, Duke at the current number, is there value? Is there a sense that, hey, if Zion had played the whole season on one hand, they'd have a much better record, they'd be perceived to be much better. On the other hand, the debate is, well, actually, when they didn't have Zion, they didn't look all that good. Can one guy make all that much difference? In one corner, the comedic find, Brad Powers. (laughs) In the other corner, Steve Fezzik. Since I'm the arbiter of all things on this show... Since Brad was lying, Fez, I'm letting you go first. Make your case.
5: Zion is so important to this team. Brad Powers, you yourself said that he was worth six points to this team. So, of course, they don't look good. They
4: don't. Might remember now, he didn't say that Zion was worth six. Initially, it was, I think he's worth about five. And then as they kept playing worse, or not, you know, underperforming, then it was maybe six. And then it was, you know, it, perhaps it could even be seven. That was the progression, if you remember.
5: (laughs) Exactly right. After they almost lose to Wake Forest when the rim seemed to shrink as Wake Forest put up the game-winning shot that somehow didn't go in, suddenly Zion's worth 10. Well, he's worth a heck of a lot. We can all conclude that. And you know what? I am not concerned about how Duke looked lousy without him because with them, they, they are a dominant team, one of the best teams that we've seen in recent history. But value is there. All year long, they had Zion. Duke was plus 180 to win the title. I said, nope, no good. You know, getting shorted by the odds makers. Well, now Duke is plus 230 with exactly the same squad as they've had all year long.
6: I am on Duke plus 230. And it's actually not the same squad, Fez. Uh, Duke right now playing without their starting center, Uh, who's definitely out for the ACC tournament, questionable for the NCAA tournament. So that's a notch in Duke's armor at this point. And what did we learn with Zion being out? Well, Cam Reddish, who is considered to be a top-five pick in the NBA draft, along with Zion, along with R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish is playing nowhere near like a top-five pick. On top of that, Duke's point guard, Jones, expected to be a top-20 pick in the NBA, M- NBA draft, nowhere playing nowhere near that level without Zion. And really, it took last night Zion to play his best game of the season. Best game of the season he played last night in his return, and yet Duke failed to meet the closing line, expectations being the spread on the game against Syracuse. So even with Zion playing his best game of the season so far, Duke came short where it counts the most.
5: Well, wait. Now Duke won that game by 12 points. Yeah. That was the number. They met expectations. It was
6: expectations. the number we did the show, but it, it got climbed up to 13, 13 right, so It
4: was right around the number. Yeah. It was right around the number. <laughs> so here, here's the question. Is in Zion's absence... Brad, you seem to feel like the remaining players, when the pressure was on, when when more was required from the remaining Duke players, they fell short. We found out about them and they failed the test.
6: Absolutely they did. I mean, Duke without Zion was three and three and outscored their opponents by just two points per game. Weren't even close to a top five team without for
4: you to think at plus one eighty there's not value, plus two thirty there is. You must either think Zion is better than he was, which you could make a small case, I think. Oh, how great will it be for his narrative if they struggle without him and then he comes back and leads them to the title? But for the most part, you're saying the assumptions about the team around Duke or I'm sorry, around Zion, that Duke team better be about the same for there to be value at 230 when there wasn't at 180. Is that what you believe?
5: Yeah, I think Duke has about a one third chance to win. So no, I. Hate- no, no.
4: Now we're going back to you mm. just repeating the math. Right. I'm asking you do you believe the team around Zion is as good? from today's perspective, thinking of it today as you thought two or three weeks ago. No,
5: I think it's slightly worse, but I think Zion's even better than I thought he Just was. Just because
4: of what you saw last night.
5: And I and because of why Duke struggled without him. Clearly, he's the at most important piece to this team. It's not even close. He's the best player in college basketball, RJ, and frankly, I'm not so concerned that Duke's struggling without him and without their center. Let's face it, they're going to get a one seed, at worst a two seed, they're going to have to beat a 16 seed, and they're going to have to win one game, Then their center's going to have two weeks He's going to be healthy, so they're down two starters. They've been down two starters and struggling. They'll be just fine.
4: The verdict on this is you're both right, but ultimately Brad's right. In my opinion, there's more value. I don't think we've lost 50 cents of value on Duke in this interim. But I think that at plus 180, it was probably so far off to start with, whereas there wasn't great value, that even at plus 230, there probably isn't great value on Duke. So I certainly wouldn't go out and rush to bet on Duke. And I would say this, though, it makes a great point. Zion really does seem like one of the most valuable college players we've seen in a long, long time.
3: This is another example of why you guys are the pros and guys like me are the Joes. Because Brad just won money because of Zion. He just won a bet because of Zion. And 15 minutes later, he's already down on Duke and Zion afterwards. I would have fell in love with Zion and been so pot committed. I just continue to bet on him as a, as a show of, of of appreciation for what he did for me in my bank account.
4: Well, because deep down, Brad knows he shouldn't have won that money. <laughs> and, and oftentimes you'll see this, Jonas, is when a gambler wins a bet he shouldn't win. He'll do something stupid with the money as <laughs> a, as a, as a self loathing right. action. Guys,
3: uh, sticking with college basketball, earlier today there was an upset in the top 10 as number nine LSU fell to Florida 76 to 73 in the SEC tournament, the quarterfinal matchup. So, what does it mean seeing LSU fall to Florida?
6: Well, first off, let's just take the, the basic uh, principle Florida is. With that win, that slight upset over LSU, the Florida Gators pretty much punched their way into the NCAA tournament today. But the bigger story here is LSU and what we saw in that game. LSU, obviously with an interim coach, their normal head coach, Will Wade, still under the FBI investigation, still indefinitely suspended by the university. LSU looked like clearly the better team to start that one off. And as the game went on, and Fez made a great point here, uh, and you can explain further, it looked like LSU was completely outcoached in the second half of that game.
5: Yeah, if you just watched the first uh, two, up to the second media timeout, the first eight minutes, you would say this LSU team is as good as Duke. Athletically, unbelievable dunks and the like, clearly the better athletes, but they could not make the adjustments as the game went on. Florida outcoached LSU. That's why
6: Florida won this game. And, And in the last possession... There was actually a, a dialed-up play for Florida to get a wide-open three at the end that actually won the game for Florida, so that even came in a coaching advantage. But i got to be honest with you guys. Going into this, I didn't understand the line at all. First off, LSU was right around this morning a three-point favorite here. To me, that looked right, meaning if everything was 100% with LSU, they had their coach, there wasn't any question marks about their players being suspended or not. Three points seemed fair. And then what happened today? It was announced that one of their players was going to play, and the market continued to bet LSU up. I thought there was clear value on the Gator,
5: and the LSU player was supposed to play anyway. So really, yes. this was this was no news that the markets overreacted to, right?
4: Yeah, it, it, I think we're getting in the weeds a little bit. The one thing I do want to extract from it is this: what I'm hearing you say, Brad, is the line seemed right if LSU didn't have any distractions. Problems with coaches, etc. cetera. Yep. And the fact that they did means the value was on the opponent anyway. Yep. Then some news breaks about a player where it looked like he was going to play. Oh, look, he is going to play. And it goes up even more. So it seems like the market is saying, hey, this LSU absence at coach, no big deal. Though from the eye test, you guys are saying it looks like the backup coach who has a losing record in Division One? Got out x and O'd in the game.
5: Correct, and I think what happened too in the in the first game without him, LSU got to play an absolutely dead Vanderbilt team, and because LSU played well in that one game against a dead team, the markets have shrugged off his absence as not being as important as it is.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
4: I'm R.J. Bowe. We are straight
3: out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan, tipping off a little over 10 minutes from now. It's the quarterfinals of the Big Ten Tournament. It's number 13 Purdue and Minnesota. Right now, Purdue is a 10-point favorite on pregame.com.
4: And, Fez, this is one of those you're taking off the rubber band.
1: What are you doing? Why does the guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does the guy carry his money in a roll?
4: Best bet.
5: I like Purdue minus 10. I bet Purdue, RJ. Purdue is rested. They've been off for six days. It's a dream spot for them. Minnesota played an all-in game yesterday. They beat Penn State 77-72. And Minnesota, it was a physically demanding game. It was a mentally demanding game to have to win in overtime. And Purdue has recent revenge. They lost to the Gophers. So
4: so back up a second. I've all. Someone walks up and says, I'm betting against the Patriots. It's like, why? Well, Brady's out. It's like, well, everyone knows Brady's out. So everybody knows about the rest disparity here. What would the line have been otherwise? Do you get a sense that it just isn't being accounted for? I don't think the overtime is being accounted for
5: enough. It takes so much out of you, RJ. This is going to be your last game of the year, and you go into overtime and you need it and you get the win, and now you got to d- wheel back and play the next.
4: So night. they're acknowledging one team has more rest. They're saying they're not acknowledging overtime accentuates that fact and how difficult that game was
5: yes and the second factor they're not acknowledging the fact that purdue got upset by minnesota not back in january but just 10 days ago they lost to this team so purdue has revenge against minnesota i bet
6: purdue i like purdue all
4: right so the pick is purdue minus 10 against minnesota
6: and I'll say this. I actually think there's a, a sense of relief from Minnesota. Minnesota's been on the bubble. But that game, if you read everyone's uh, bracket projections, basically punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. So maybe now that they got their win they needed to have, now maybe they're you know not going to show up 100% tonight.
4: Brad's making a great point. Not only are these games happening day after day after day, but the meaning of the games are changing. Literally, it can be... Lose this game, you're out. Win this game, you're in. Now, if you win, the stakes go from as high as possible to then what? Being a 12 seed versus being a 10 seed? Yep. All of a sudden now the stakes go way, way down. Keep your eyes. It's kind of funny to think, oh, what's ESPN or Fox or the projections, the bubble, what's it mean? Well, they're usually pretty predictive, and it tells you a lot about Even if they're not predictive, it's what the team thinks is the case. And you can tell a lot about a team's motivation by where they are on the updated bubble list. It's the
3: semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament. We have an 11.30 Eastern time tip-off later in Las Vegas. It's Oregon against Arizona State. Right now, the Ducks are a
6: two-point favorite on pregame.com. And I like Oregon here, minus the two points. I bet Oregon minus the two. And it's a very similar handicap to last night. Story time. Go back to the start of the season. Oregon was clearly the best team in the Pac-12. Oregon, believe it or not, a Pac-12 team was considered to be a borderline top 10 team. What happened? Oregon lost their best player, their center. A 20 points per game, 10 rebounds per game kind of guy. All season long, Oregon's been mixing and matching their different lineups. Oregon in the last six games has finally found the lineup that works best for them. Last six games, six straight wins for the Ducks, six straight covers, average cover by 16 points per game. And it's a unique lineup where they start four players that are six foot nine. All of them can handle the ball and all of them are elite defensively. Oregon in those six games, Each of those games, they've held their opponent to 61 points or less. No Oregon team has done that in 30-plus seasons since the, the shot clock got invented. So take Oregon tonight, a red hot team, minus the two.
4: So what you're saying is teams evolved throughout the season. When Oregon evolved into their current state, from then on, this team is a different team. This team is a much, much better team.
6: Yeah, right now, Oregon is living up to those preseason top 10 expectations but not being priced.
4: Now, up. you had a best bet winner yesterday, right? On Oregon,
6: minus Did anyone
4: point. send you any money or anything? No. Oh, wow. Hey, Lama. Hey, how
6: about a
2: little <laughs> something, you know, for the effort?
4: <laughs> at Brad Power 7. Quick question on Twitter. Quick question. I don't think you can send money, but follow him at least. <laughs> Virginia, this is a team that underperforms in the big, big games, in the conference finals in the NCAA compared to the regular season. Why is that, and do you expect the same if they end up making the finals here?
6: Well, Virginia's always been known as a defensive team. Offensively, they've had their, their struggles, at least in the last four or five years, where they just had off nights and... You know, they're a team that it's not able to get a lot of margin. This year, it's completely changed. Right now, in the entire country, Virginia has the number two most efficient offense in the country. By far, it's Virginia's best offense they've had in the last 20 years. And I think that's the difference between this year's Virginia team and the last, especially last year's team that went out in the first round.
4: So you're saying it was just defense doesn't translate to the tournament?
6: Well, I think. Yeah, I think it's
4: the coach is so good and they play with so much intensity, they typically don't have a ceiling, whereas they aren't but they also don't have the the valleys during the Mm. regular season. I think it's more about consistency than it is offense. But listen, odds are Virginia's gonna win, and odds and then if they do, they're playing Duke or North Carolina. We'll get a little bit of preview of how this version of Virginia does with the stakes at the highest.
3: The odd couple is coming up next. We are straight out of Vegas back on Monday for a full look from a Vegas standpoint at the NCAA tournament bracket, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.